This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins. With insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. The show is indeed Inside Twins. It is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. We are at Globe Life Field. Twins seeking a sweep of the Texas Rangers here today before moving on to Cleveland. Great pleasure to have a little roundtable edition of Inside Twins. It's the Smalley and Molly show as we've got Roy Smalley and Paul Molitor here with us at Globe Life Field. And guys, it's September. And you two know a thing or two about September baseball. And you hear the phrase thrown around. Every team is hoping the games they're playing this time of year matter. I'll start with you, Roy. What is the biggest single difference as the leaves start to turn and you can smell the postseason and you're trying to finish strong? Well, Polly knows uh, more about it uh, and, and better about it than I do. But my my feeling was uh, when we won in in '87 in the, sep- the September games, it was important to k- keep doing what you had been doing all year and keep having the same attitude about what you were doing, you know, all year and not get caught up in you know standings watching or uh, you know how you were how you were swinging or, or I mean, just have fun and go out and play the game and, and uh, try to win a ball game in whatever way it, whatever way it took. And I, I think it, it, the more guys can uh, remember that, you know, regardless of how they're swinging, for example, it, the, um, you know, you're only one, one swing, one pitch away from really, really hurting a pitcher, breaking a game open. You know, you might, you might get a chance to do that. That's fun. You know, going out in the field and, I mean, it's it's an opportunity to, you know, to, to shine, you know, rather than. So I think it's just a question of uh, of of uh, you know mindset more than anything else. Yeah, you know, I it's it's it is a special time of the year, and but I think Roy's point about you know guys that can be the same guy uh, they go about it. You know, your games whether it's April or June or into September with potential playoff implications on the line that you want guys that can be the same guy, can just go out and play the game and still have fun. But it does change, especially if you have some young players that haven't been through it. They're going to be looking at the veterans to see how they handle it. Hopefully it gets passed on that, you know, you just got to keep doing the work. You don't get overly concerned about how other teams are doing, winning or losing. You take care of your own business as best you can. And the last thing I'll say about September baseball, I, I was on plenty of teams that were out of it this before we increased the number of playoff teams, which gives more teams opportunities to stay in the race longer. I never got any satisfaction by being a spoiler. It just never did it for me. You know, some guys say, well, you don't have anything to play for. You're not going to make the playoffs. Well, you can knock off some of those teams. You don't want to be in that spot. I'd rather be where the Twins are in first place, looking to hold on and starting to look forward to what's down the stretch, hopefully into 
October and maybe even November. When you talk about that and, and being the same team, doing the same thing, something you said yesterday, Paul, on our broadcast was about the way this Twins offense is built. Rangers kind of got top-heavy guys. They got a guy who's driven in 99, a guy who scored 100, Seager's an MVP candidate. Twins don't have that. No individual uh, leaderboard guys offensively, and yet it's a balanced offense that on different nights gets contributions and relies on contributions from a ton of guys. Is that type of depth beneficial this type of year where you're not necessarily leaning on one or two guys, or do you need to be superstar-driven? Yeah, well, you know, it can work both ways, to be honest with you. You know, some of the really good teams that we see this year, Atlanta comes to mind, where they're just going to write out the same names, at least the top four or five guys in the lineup. Texas has something similar with their first four guys. The Twins, maybe, you know, you got Kepler and you got Correa, and other, other than that, we're constantly rotating people around, playing different spots, Rocco using his bench very efficiently. But I think with the Twins this year, we talked about last night that, you know, we don't have any players in the top categories offensively in the league. But somehow we have found a way with contributions from the young guys and the veterans chipping in. Um, that's why I still think even though we've played 130-some games that we still have a chance to be a better team as we go down the stretch just because we have so many guys that have contributed. And I think that works well when you get to this stage of the season. Yeah, Roy, you're nodding your head. You agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I said at the beginning of the season, I mean, breaking from uh, spring training, that this is going to be a club where uh, it, uh, some clubs, like the Rangers in particular, uh, they get two or three guys uh, that can carry, you know, carry the club, you know, regardless of how everybody else is doing. The Twins weren't going to be like that. I mean, you could see that from the very start. I mean, you figure... You know, Correa in his past, he's, he's had, you know, some some big years. And and Polanco, really important. Of course, they didn't have him at the beginning of the season. It really shows, you know, how much better they're swinging the bat when Polanco's in there. And now I've always thought that uh, that Max Kepler was a, a real linchpin to this lineup. I, 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 I've always felt that. And he's just, he's swinging better now, I, I, I think, than... His approach is, you know, better than I ever seen him. So you've got a few guys like that that can really contribute. But for the most part, it was going to be, look, we need, we need nine guys. You know, we need, we don't have two guys to carry the club. We need five or six guys swinging it well at the same time, to have this kind of uh, uh, offensive production. And they didn't have that the first half of the season. And when they got Polanco back and now Kepler, all right, now they got a, more of a full complement of the of the lineup. And they've got a chance to have five or six or even seven guys contributing in a, in a, in a given any any given game, and it's 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 showing up offensively. Yeah, Polanco and Kepler, that steady drumbeat offensively. We know Correa's had a year probably lesser than what he would have hoped, uh, but then the young guys have come up and sparked things. And I know you guys love to look at swings, talk about swings. When you look at the young guys in particular, Lewis, Julian, Walner, three completely different hitters. Pick a swing. I'll let Roy go first, and then Paul can pick another. Pick a swing from that group and tell me what you like about it and what you've seen as I think all three of those hitters have grown throughout the course of the year. They have, and they're going to uh, get better and better. Uh, I was talking to Walner on the uh, road trip to Kansas City and St. Louis, and I asked him, I, we were in St. Louis, and I, I was standing out looking at the field and you know, talking to him about the first time he ever see, he comes to see a big league ballpark like that. And I said, well, what's the difference? What's the, what have you found? And, and I'm going to let Paulie talk about Walner. I just want to mention that he goes, it's just, it's, it's just different up here in terms of the, uh, the quality guys you see all the time. He's in, in AAA, you know, you don't see the, 
you know, the, one guy on a team, you know, maybe pitcher. And he said, up here, it's just, it's just constant. And so I think those, all three of those guys are going through that. They're going to they're gonna get better and better because I like them all. But I, I will talk about, to answer your question, I'll talk about Royce Lewis. I love how uh, he is a, uh, his, his stride into the ball is, is calm. Uh, he, he keeps his hands back and in good position to hit. It, it, for longer and as well as I've seen, you know, maybe any, you know, a young hitter in a long time. Uh, and, and he's, he's strong, but he's re- his, his hands are real fast right at the ball, too. So that combination of he doesn't stomp out there. He's, he's got a casual kind of stride. His hands are back, and then, and then he adjusts. And we saw him, you know, hit those two grand slams uh, in consecutive games, both of them breaking balls. Both of them looked like he was a little out in front of, uh, but he would, because of all those mechanics I just talked about, keep, especially keeping his hands back and not rushing out there, he was able to to allow that those that strong, quick hand strength to you know to hit those balls out of the ballpark. It's pretty impressive stuff. Well, you know, I I think all three of these guys have exceptional bat speed. Right, talked about Royce, and you know that speed right through the contact point, and he's long through the contact point, which enables him to show some coverage even on pitches that are breaking away or on the outside part of the plate. You know, Walner, you know, the biggest thing for him, for me, is not so much his swing that it's changed or he's made a lot of adjustments with his swing. Uh, his ability to recognize pitches is better. He doesn't expand as much both up with velocity and down with off speed. And I think he's learned that he has to get into a firing position a little bit early. In minor league, traditionally, he got beat a lot by fastballs up in his zone. But a lot of times he just wasn't getting his hands in a proper position to fire on time. But to be able to hit a ball as far as he does, certainly he's, he's, he's tracking in the right direction. And, the, you know, Julian, another guy, you know, he's, he, he knows when he to let it go and he knows when to finesse a little bit. Certainly he's got good strike zone knowledge. I think we'll see him cut down his strikeouts the more he plays. He's been taking a lot of third strikes a little bit I th- you know, for us as of late. And the one thing I'll add about Royce is that he's got a two-part start to his swing as far as his lower half is concerned. You'll see him take a little half step towards the pitcher for alignment purposes, and then he'll go into his leg kick from there, which will vary according to how he's feeling on a given day. I think when a young athlete talks about, I just let my body do what it wants to do, that means that he trusts what he's doing making adjustments, even sometimes subconsciously. I really want to uh, ask uh, Paul about this. It's something I've thought about really quickly about Royce Lewis. The, your point about how long he is, he, he has the ability with that casual, you know, more casual stride and, and the way he approaches it to stay uh, in, in center field with his body and with, and, and with the, the, the big end of his bat a long time, uh, more than most, which is the, the point. You know, Paul was making about um, about being long through there, and I, I'm really impressed with that. But I wanted to ask Paul uh, because I, I had a thought about Max Kepler, and I'm looking at at Walner in the same way. Max this year for me, as I watched from the center field camera, I always thought he started with an open stance and then would close up, and I always felt like it blocked him a lot, and he was having a hard time. There were a lot of right-handed fastballs. You know, we know how he can hit the ball. He hits like sure. a three-iron, right? And and uh, he's got this great ability. But I felt like there were so many fastballs he was missing uh, because because he was blocking himself a little bit. Since the All-Star break, I don't 
know if anybody talked to him about this, if they came up with this, but he's got the same thing going now that we were talking about with Lewis. Where he is he is very square to the line of flight of ball now with his, with his body, and I think it's allowing him. He's hitting high fastballs hard to his pull field that he didn't used to hit. I, I think it looks really, really good. So my question is this. Walner is the same way. Yeah. You know, Walner's real open, and he's a diver now in, in at the plate, and I watch him miss fastballs like you're talking about. And I wonder if, if you think that's going to be something that he's going to have to tone down. A little yeah, bit. well, I think that's a good pickup on your point, you know, the alignment issue. I like that a guy is conscious and trying to stay closed longer, yeah. but you definitely can get too far closed and you block yourself when you can't get to that ball that's either elevated or in on your hands. Yeah. It's like a hitting clinic here. It's Roy Smalley and Paul Molitor. Unfortunately, we do have to take a break. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk more here on Inside Twins on your home for Twins Baseball. Well, welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. Now, memories are created, legends are made. couple of legends with me, Hall of Famer Paul Molitor, World Series champion Roy Smalley. And uh, we're going to change gears a little bit. We're in Texas. We can see out from our vantage point through the windows to the ballpark at Arlington. Still looks beautiful. Beyond that was the original ballpark that brought the Rangers uh, here in 1972. And a few years later... A young California beach kid came wandering in to Arlington to begin his major league career. Tell us what that was like. It was a time when Tom Landry ruled the Metroplex. Pro baseball was still fairly new. You come rolling in from Southern California where it's a very different vibe. What was that like for you as a rookie with the Texas Rangers? I didn't think about any of that stuff. You know, you come in and come up to the big leagues, and this is how you're just fighting to do the best you can and, and uh, to keep your head on straight. And, and um, the way it happened uh, for me was really, really fortunate. I started the year in, in AAA. Billy Martin was the manager, and that, that was his own. That was that was the a whole that's a whole other show. That was a whole different show uh, for a 22 year old. Uh, you know, have, have to uh, try to manage or uh, you know manage around uh, just all that stuff. But anyway, Billy told me when he he sent me down there out of spring training. He said, "Now go down there. If you can't do it with your you know and and hit. If you're not doing it with your bat, do it with your glove." You're not doing it with your glove. Do it with the bat. He said you'll be you'll be back up here. And uh, sure enough, I in the it was uh, I've been down there a month and a half. And uh, our old buddy uh, Davy Nelson, uh, who was playing second base, uh, slid into second base and broke his ankle. And and they needed another middle infielder. And and they they called me up. And so there I am. And I didn't think I was you know gonna play. They had a new uh, they, they had uh, just to fill out a roster spot and it needed a middle infielder maybe. And Toby Harris was playing shortstop and, and you know Lenny Randall was playing second. They had guys. But sure enough, that the second game I, I, I was there, Toby got hit on the elbow I mean, in the fourth inning. And I'm in the game. Just like that. <laughs> and just, Happens and fast. Billy comes down and says, you know, you're, you're it. You know, and I, I remember running out to shortstop. And, you know, it, it, that old ballpark, and Paul would tell you about it. I mean, it was terrible. It was not. A big, it was not a big league ballpark. It was. A, it was a Triple A ballpark at, at best. And you know, I ran out there, and it didn't matter to me. I mean, I, re I remember running out there to shortstop and turning around and looking back into the into the stands and and thinking, don't know how long this is going to last, but this I've been dreaming about this since I was five, and I'm just and, and it was it was pretty special. Paul, you mentioned the old ballpark, and when you would get the schedule in Milwaukee and be like, oh, we're going to 
going there in July or August. I can't imagine a lot of smiles in the clubhouse. Well, my rookie year, I didn't realize how hot it could be going down there in the middle of the season. But I, I like Roy. I remember that old, that old ballpark, you know, a couple special memories, obviously, coming down there and knowing that you might be facing Nolan Ryan somewhere along the way. That was special. We actually opened our season there one year, which was nice because we didn't have to worry about the heat. And I'll always remember as sellout crowd as per normal on opening day. I think it was Jose Guzman, the big right-handed pitcher. Yeah. We scored nine in the first, and that, <laughs> and the place was half half empty by the fourth inning. So that was fun. <laughs> and another time when I broke up a double play, and I can't remember who the middle infielder was, but I got on him pretty good, and and he uh, had a knee injury, and I got booed for three days straight. So that, those are some of my highlights <laughs> of the old ball. Fight. Well, you, you sent half a crowd home, and then you got booed for three days in a row. That's yeah. pretty good. We'll right. take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap up Inside Twins. More stories with Roy and Paul right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Final segment of Inside Twins. We're just getting started, though, on a full Sunday of baseball across our network. Chris Atterbury here at Globe Life Field with Roy Smalley, with Paul Molitor. Paul and I will have the call of the Twins and the Rangers seeking a sweep here today behind Kenta Maeda. A little more touching here on the, the history of baseball here in Texas, Roy. Joey Gallo alluded to it. I know it's football country, and we saw Friday night a small crowd because it was high school football night, but there is a huge baseball fan base here that I feel like is just dying to get behind a club. I think this is a great baseball area. I, I think it's a really good baseball, if not great baseball area. And yes, it's it's football country, but but it's uh, there is a big base of fans here. And I and I agree with you that uh, they are just they're waiting to to go off when they when they get a team in the in the playoffs and 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 you know hopefully for them beyond. So I I never had the feeling when I even back in the old days. I never had the feeling that people wouldn't come out if if you want if you want just like anywhere else and and uh, there's there's a lot of people in this area it's certainly enough to to have a big baseball fan base and I think that's I think that's the way it is here. Paul mentioned the name Nolan Ryan. Is it possible to talk about baseball in this state without his name coming up? Is there one guy who's more associated with a style of play and and a geographic place than, than Nolan, Paul? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'd have to do some thought to see if any other names could even approach Nolan Ryan. I mean, it's not just, you know, we think about Nolan Ryan, it's just not Texas. It's it's just all around the game. You know, so many ex-players, if you ask them who was the toughest guy they had to face, <laughs> Nolan Ryan's going to be the answer for yeah. half the guys, right? Yeah. You know, so I remember, you know, talking about being young as a player. I was a leadoff man, and Nolan Ryan – He'd throw his last warm-up pitch, and he would walk his way over to the third baseline. He would stomp his feet around, checking to see what the condition of the field was, and then he would glare at you in the on-deck circle just to let you know you better, you better not be thinking about bunting. And after he gave you that little death stare, he'd make it back to the mound, and, and you'd go up to the plate, and you'd be shaking a little bit, and then you'd start, start the ball game. But, yeah. What a legend, what a good man, and uh, yeah, it was one of those guys you just feel happy that somewhere in your career you had a chance to face him. And Roy, you teamed up with him for a memorable all-star experience. Oh, he, it was it was phenomenal. I was very lucky the uh, game went uh, uh, when I started at shortstop, and, and uh, it had a, a big first half, and Nolan was the starting pitcher in that in that 79 all-star game, and so for they, they obviously they were going to have him do the media events and for some reason they wanted me to, me to go with them and do it and we I got a chance to I got a chance to talk with him 
uh, a, a little bit, get to know him a little bit. That was that was great. But I, I, I enjoyed talking with him a heck of a lot more than I enjoyed <laughs> stepping in the box against him. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a force of nature. And, again, if Greg Maddox had been from Texas and Nolan from Vegas, maybe every Texas pitcher wouldn't be expected to be 6'5 and throw 100 miles an hour. Uh, but it certainly uh, was on brand mm. with Nolan Bryan. We got uh, Nolan Ryan. We got about a, a minute left, guys. Uh, the difference between a sweep and taking two out of three, especially in September, monumental, right? Used eight pitchers yesterday. What do you have to do to keep Kenta Maeda Paul online today to make sure he doesn't put too much pressure, try to save too much because this team can jump on you, but how much is on what Maeda can do today? Well, it's important, especially with all the guys we had to use out of the bullpen last night that we get some innings out of Kenta today. But my philosophy as a hitter individually or as a team collectively, get greedy. Yes, you have to play them one at a time, but when you're in a position to get a sweep, don't be content with getting on that plane with two out of three, winning the series. Let's get greedy and try to get the broom out. I love it. All right, guys, really appreciate it. Great to have you both here, and we could tell stories for hours. Your breakdown of the swings was uh, was fantastic, as always. Roy will be in the TV booth with Dick today. Uh, Paul and I will have the radio call as the Twins try to get greedy indeed against the Texas Rangers. That's going to do it for Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. Stick around the pregame lineup card. Coming up next and then following that, Kent Maeda versus John Gray as the Minnesota Twins try to indeed get a little greedy try to sweep this three game series from the Rangers before they head on to Cleveland to take on the second place Guardians great to catch up with Roy Smalley and Paul Molitor here at Globe Life Field it's been the Smalley and Molly edition of Inside Twins do stay with us much much more here to come throughout a full Sunday of baseball all across our network of affiliates right here on your home for Twins Baseball you have been listening to Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer locally owned and operated It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.